This is the Raiders on the Record podcast. Today, we feature John Majeski. John Majeski is a 2003 Raider graduate. During his time at Hastings High School, he was a three-sport athlete competing in football, hockey, and baseball. In football, he was a three-year varsity letter winner and played a major role on defense and offense during his junior year, leading the team to the 2001 state championship. In hockey, John was a three-year letter winner and helped the team to a fourth-place finish during his sophomore year. Finally, in baseball, John was a three-year varsity letter winner. After high school, John attended NDSU, where he was a four-year starter on the football team, starting on defense, but then transitioning to offense. After high school, John became a teacher before transferring to sales. John gives a great interview where he talks very highly about his coaches and teammates he played with during his time at Hastings and the role that Hastings and sports have played in his life. All right, here we are with John Majeski. John, I always like starting at the beginning of someone's life and at the beginning of your life is your parents. So let's hear about your parents, who they are, their names, what they did for a living. Did they always live in Hastings or did they eventually move to Hastings? So once again, let's start at the beginning of your life with your parents. Yeah, yeah. My parents' name are Bob and Cindy Majeski, and I grew up in Hastings my entire life. Um, my dad is from Hastings himself, and my mom is from Minoman, Minnesota, which is way, way up north, uh, north of Fargo and, and Detroit Lakes and everything like that. And um, they met in Moorhead when my dad went to Concordia College, and my mom was going to Moorhead State. And then... When they got finished with college, they came back down to Hastings and uh, my dad w- started as a fire teacher. I think it was Cooper Elementary School. I remember kind of his story and everything like that. And then mom, my mom was like a para for helping in the classroom um, within the, the district there. And then uh, as we got started having kids, I have an older brother um, who's four years older than me. And then there's me and then my younger brother, Joe, uh, was just a year younger than me. And uh, so my mom stayed home as an occupation through elementary school into middle school and then she started real estate and then my dad progressed within the school district from teaching to principal and, and obviously coached two football within for Hastings for a number of years as well and, and yeah they're still in Hastings my brothers are still in Hastings we go back try to make it back as much as we can and usually crash in my parents town and all that good stuff perfect another thing I like hearing about in the beginning of your life too is the schools you attended here in Hastings you don't have to go through every single teacher you had but there are certain teachers at different levels that had a really big impact on you. Let's hear about those teachers because I do send this out to those teachers and let them know that people had they, they did have a big impact on people's lives. So once again, let's hear about the schools you attended here in Hastings and any teachers that had a really big impact on you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I was a Tilden Tiger, which I don't, I think the building is still there, but I, it's not a school anymore. It's like, I think it's a community center of some sort or something like that. Yeah, it's a community and just a, like a preschool. Okay, yep. So I we grew up, Basically, on Fifth Street, which is like maybe a block and a half away from that, so I walked to school every day there. So I was there kindergarten through fifth grade. Got Miss Wintermeyer, and then Miss Flamin, and then Miss Murtaugh, Miss um, Passion, third grade. Not the one, and then Miss Grove in fifth grade, but the one teacher still to this day that I think had the most impact just on me overall, the person, and just how he managed his classroom was Mr. Jones, Tim Jones. Um, I think he's retired now. I actually bumped into him at the Gobblegate and said hi to him this year or last year, but how he was a teacher, treated you, you know, as a fourth grader, like there's a lot going on. Mine, you're, you think you know everything, but he did such a good job of 
really holding you accountable for your actions. And I think he had in his classroom, there's a saying, insert reason before impulse and action. That he would always refer to that. And whenever he'd go out for something like that, and just excellent guy. I really, uh, really enjoyed his class, how he just ran things, treated you. You took accountability for all of your actions within the classroom. And, um, and he like did little things that like really mattered. Like he would have like, this running club for exercising. All these kids would be running before school even. And we built up to an 18 minute run and he got these water bottles for us and everything like that. Holy cow. Um, really involved in, we'd always go for, I don't know if anybody else did this, but we'd always go for class walks outside and you'd be like, all right, we're going outside right now. We'll go for a 20 minute walk. Let's go. And really, I thought just did an awesome job and, and just really, he was probably the most influential one I had in, in elementary school. Um, love that guy, man. He was just a fantastic teacher. And I still, I was a social science education major. So like he was impacting me you know, years down the road in college and everything like that. So that was Tilden. And then, uh, we moved at the end of my fifth grade year to where my parents are living now. Um, on Brittany Road on Pleasant Park there, right next to Ruffwell and all that stuff. So we had a hockey coach and football coach next to each other, which is ironic for only in Hastings, probably nothing. But in those sixth or eighth grade, we were at the old middle school, which is no longer existing. That's where you know, I think there's like apartments there or something like that. And like Green Mill Park and that. that's where Green Mill's at. So we were there. And then my freshman year and sophomore year, we were at the now middle school, which is the old high school. And my junior year, we moved to the new high school. And I was like, I kept, I was so pumped because we actually had air conditioning. <laughs> oh my gosh, this is like the Taj Mahal. Like, hey, we got air conditioning and stuff like that. As far as teachers in middle school, I get the blur. There's a lot of them. Like Pete McGinnis, I think is deaf. I think everybody I have on here, it says that middle school is a blur for them. Yeah. They don't remember anything from those years. Yep. It was by far like Pete McGinnis, my friend, but big impact from that. Still talk to him to this day. Um, he was definitely the one kind of behind the scenes and everything at that and everything. And, and then we, there was I'm kind of think here. Um, the other one that really comes to mind was Mr. McKenzie, Neil McKenzie, some teacher, same type of thing. Like with, uh, like Mr. Jones, kind of that aspect, Hey, you're going to, you know, your behavior in my classroom and like such a good, like teacher from a classroom management standpoint that like kids were goofing off or getting stuff done, but he made it fun. And like, he always talked like. It was one thing I took from him. That was like my aha moment. Like, I mean, sixth grade social studies, we got tests and vocab and all that stuff. I'm freaking out, right? You're like, oh, I remember all this stuff. And he just made an analogy. He's like, or a comparison was, do you guys remember, or you guys are listening to music on the radio, right? We're like, yeah. He's like, how long are the songs? We're like, I don't know, two, three minutes. He's like, if you guys memorize a song, you can memorize the vocab. No excuse. Look, you know, one of those things. Yeah. And, uh, so he definitely was one that stuck out. And I think he was one of my first I kind of like first hour. So it was like my first teacher, first experience. So I was like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. And so that was a really good experience there. This was a good time. Been a high school. I mean, there was a number of teachers that really impacted. Mr. Wallet was one. I think he was student teaching and just, I think it might've been his first year actually. And I may not have been the best behaved student in his class necessarily, but the amount of effort that guy put in to try to, you could tell he just cared. And taught English, which wasn't probably the most exciting subject in the world, but he made it fun and he, yeah, I could, you could tell the effort just like a good human. Um, that class really stuck out to me going through the, my major in college, thinking about like him and his class and what he would do to try to, to relate to the students and things like that. I'm trying to think how they were teachers and Ms. Benson was another one that comes into play. She's, she's not tired She's still teaching. No, she's still teaching chemistry. Like she was like, they started a wedding and I'm like, you still look like 20 years ago. Unbelievable. Um, so she was an uh, awesome teacher. A lot of fun. One of those that 
just a sweetheart and we'll do anything for you and very involved and you can tell really care and, and stuff like that. And I'm probably forget a number of other people out there, but those are the ones that come to mind at the top of my head. Awesome. What sports did you play growing up? And then we can roll right into your high school career as well. So talk about the sports you played growing up and then did any kind of go away when you were growing up too, or did you add any on maybe a middle school around that era? And then once again, we could go into your high school uh, playing career. We could talk about each year. And I really like hearing about things. Obviously at that time too, we had some amazing sports teams, teams going to state, placing at the state tournament as well. So go through each year, talk about yourself, any accomplishments individually, and talk about the team and it, any accomplishments with the teams as well. Yeah, absolutely. So growing up, there was a, my, I was playing anything and everything, right? We would just, baseball always came to mind that I was obsessed with it and just loved playing it. Cause I just needed a, you know, wiffle ball bat, you know, going back there and I'd sort up and pretend that, you know, Kirby pocket or whoever. Right. So that was a uh, grow up. That was like my first memories of like, sports was always baseball, but did the usual wrestling camps even. And then I go basketball camps with McGinnis, uh, Mr. Bite, with uh, wrestling camps to go to, so I didn't play soccer growing up. Parents got me in anything, everything. And then as I got older, like towards the tail end of elementary school, like probably fifth, sixth grade, things like that, I settled on football, baseball, and hockey. Um, I think that had a lot to do with my older brother, just watching him. And I uh, would be at the hockey and stuff like that. And looking back at it, I was like, like McGinnis would come over and he'd like, take us to like, grab us, like me and my younger brother and take a goal for basketball games. I'm like, I she was recruiting me a little bit to go play basketball. And my dad, nothing you could escape. You know, he played basketball growing up and stuff like that. And my parents never like really influenced me one way or another um, of what to do or how to do it is, hey, this is what I'm settling on. And as the sports seasons combined, football versus soccer, now I got to make a decision here now. You can't do both. one of those things seasonally. Sit on football, hockey, and baseball. And then I feel like when I was coming up, kind of like, with like technology, like I had a dial phone on the wall and then with cord installed and with the cell phone and stuff like that. It wasn't this crazy, like traveling sports really weren't a thing necessarily. They're just becoming something. And my like memory of like playing outside of like in-house teams in Hastings was through baseball and, or actually with, with hockey through the squirt program. So we had an in-house team and then you had a traveling and this would have been my second year of squirt. We, I'll never forget this, this is an eye-opening for me as of like, where like Hartman pays off type thing is the square team was announced for the traveling team and I'm looking at it, you know, my buddies, I'm looking at the names and I see my name and I don't know what this word says above it. And I'm like, what the heck is this? And I look at it, I asked him, like, dad, what does alternate mean? He's like, oh, you know that, uh, you're like a sub. I'm like, can I make my on the team? He's like, you are, if somebody can't make it, but now you're like, if somebody gets hurt or they're sick, explain what an alternate means. And so I'm like devastated, right? I'm like fourth grade, this means the world. And then we had a scrimmage coming up in one of the Bloomington teams with that. And that's like my first time ever playing. And I got to play in scrimmage as an alternate there because it was just a scrimmage. And it was like the first time we got to play a team outside of Hastings. And I remember to this day, like the power of sports, right? My dad told me he was, you know, one of two things, you can go in there and just coast and feel sad for yourself, or you can go in there and prove yourself that they made a mistake, that you should get on that team and just work your heart. All you can do is work hard and do your best and see what comes from that and prove them wrong. And I'm like, okay. So go out there, get like a hat trick or something like during the, during the scrimmage or whatever. And then I'm like, all right, I was really satisfied about that. I'm like, yeah, I felt like I, heard, hey, I did what I did, did what I could. And then, and that week goes by and then the first game comes with the traveling team. Like some teams come to town, it's probably like Red Wing or Hudson or something like that. Right. That was local at that point, maybe Todd Girls. 
But I'm like, oh man, this would be so awesome. Like, I play these guys instead of playing my buddies in the house team. And all of a sudden, Kevin McNamara, who's the age sport coach at the time on the traveling team, is like, hey, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm just waiting for the game to start. He's like, where's your equipment? And I'm like, my equipment's in my mom's car. And somebody heard, he's like, no, you he didn't hear? And I'm like, hear what? He's like, nobody told you? I'm like, you made the team. Get your equipment on. Go and play, man. I'm like, holy crap. So that was pretty cool a awesome. moment there. And I kept that in the back of my head as career growth and new sports. And, you know, how, how, you never know when that moment's going to kind of kept my dad's voice in the back of my head. And just through life in general, it's like, hey, prove them wrong. Like, and you're only in fourth grade at the time. So how did you, you're so young. How did you, I mean, obviously your dad has coached forever and he's talking to you before the game, but how did you even recognize that at such a young age? Oh, it just, I was so mad that I didn't make it. I was like, all right. Like his voice, what he told me, he's like, hey, you can do one or two things. You can just feel sorry for yourself or go and try to earn it and let them know they made a mistake and let yeah. your, let your play do the act. And stuck with me and that from that moment on, I was like, all right. And then from kind of prove myself that, Hey, I do belong. Right? I can compete not only with you know, my boys from Hastings necessarily, but we're playing a major team that I've seen in like the state hockey tournament and stuff like that. And that the club teams in there. It's like, Oh shit, this is, yeah, we do. I do belong because this is pretty cool. Hard work does pay out. Yeah. And not to interrupt, but do you ever remember like an exact situation or maybe a similar situation later on? And it could be high school. It could be college as well, where you had that exact situation happen where maybe didn't get the exact maybe designation or spot on the team that you thought you you deserved or thought you earned and then you approved the exact same thing and it clicked again just like you did in fourth grade i guess it wasn't like, like a lightning rod moment or anything like that that would be exact the same but i think where when i graduated from hastings my goal was to go to a major d1 program to play football for that and that didn't happen it was lots of talk say we want you to walk on or I know Wyoming came knocking in really late and they said they'd have a scholarship for me and I was going to fly out like that following weekend and there's two guys that were going to come in one guy was not going to take it I got to take a scholarship he's going to get it I get the phone call like that the weekend before oh by the way the guy took the scholarship so that way and then NDSU right back there actually I could see them. they were always there and I was like you know what I'm done so, so that's that was a moment too where it Worked out really well. Glad NDSU was awesome. Very, very satisfied, obviously, with that program. That, But that was kind of like one of those moments like, all right, I'm going to go here and with a little chip on my shoululder now. Well, first pass, gotcha. yep, I got to play him and uh, took him down too. So, yeah. And one of those, one of those, the old down. That's perfect. Yeah. So, yeah, we could get back to <laughs> the squirts too and we could keep on <laughs> yeah. working through your timeline here. So we jumped a little bit forward to NDSU, but let's get back to the squirts. Yeah. Yeah. So then, so the, so that was my first experience of now you're playing teams outside of Hastings, things like that. And then we like Ken Reiners was one of the dads of Lee, uh, was classmate of mine and friend of, our, of mine and Ken had picked this team. This is like the first traveling team that Hastings had outside the in-house program to my knowledge at that point as 10 year olds. And Ken put a ton of effort into it. Sam Tripp was also the coach of Lord Tripp's dad. And uh, these guys put a ton of time into it, not knowing like an adult, like how much stuff goes in. It's like, oh my shit, these guys really dedicated themselves, which is amazing. And then they handpicked this team with a bunch of buddies that we all knew from hockey and T-ball and all this stuff. And uh, we were playing like Apple Valleys and Bloomington's and Rosemounts and Lake Hills. And, you know, we didn't know what, how good we necessarily were. We just played baseball together on the side and everything like that. And then all of a sudden we're winning, like, we're beating the Bloomington's, we're you know, beating Lake Hills, we're winning tournaments, we're going to the state tournament. All this stuff is like, oh man, you know what? We're, we've got some, you know, our friends are pretty good at that. Let's keep this going. And then... You know, from there, sports, like, they kind of took off from there, right? From really, like, understanding more, okay, the harder we work, the better we're going to be. And all those kind of moments came to fruition as a, at a young age. They're like, oh, this is fun winning. 
you can work hard, you can have fun, but let's, let's stick together. The more drive each other at that point, you know, kids, stuff like that. Let's maybe start in high school here, ninth grade. And if you want to start talking about if you did play a JV or varsity level before ninth grade, you could definitely hit that up too. But let's maybe start in ninth grade right there and work our way through your high school career. Yep. So ninth grade. We, so as a ninth grader, it would have been, I got me and Randy Foss yeah. moved up to the 10th grade team. And, and it, they were short some guys. So I think they pulled up a few 10th graders like Adam Welch and Thomas Attell and stuff like that to the varsity team. And so we, uh, we got pulled up and that, so I was playing with the 10th grade team at that point. Then I broke my finger. It, it was like the, the 10th grade team got to practice with the varsity team. And it was a punt. It was in the air and I misjudged it and went like this and it hit the top of my finger, popped straight up and I caught the ball and I'm walking. I'm like looking at my finger and I was like, like pointing out and I'm like, oh my God. And, and also I hear my dad's like, come over. So he whistled at me and I come over, like, let me see your hands. So I give my other hand on like, and he's like, your other one. And he looks at it and he's like, oh, it's distal kid. He tries popping it back in. Oof. Well, it's broke. The whole knuckle broke off and that's what was sticking out. So you're trying to like put it back. And I'm just sitting there, it was like the worst pain ever. I'm like, oh my God, my guy's like, all right, go ice it, call your mom, he said. So I didn't the field, oh I'm like, oh my gosh. And so they had to get a pin back, like both. And then I was like, like six, seven weeks. And they tampered that season a little bit. Um, I came back towards the end of the year and everything like that um, with that sophomore team, which was like Schumann was a quarterback for the sophomore team. And then Nick Harris, Bear Flat, you know, Dana Wagner, all those guys. And uh, it was fun. It was a fun season. That was kind of like, okay. That progression, playing the 10th grade team, didn't get a chance to really show my, showcase my skills in that. And then ninth grade year would have been like Bantam hockey. We did really well with that. And then baseball led into my sophomore year. And then sophomore year, I was on the varsity team as a cornerback. That year went well. Uh, the seniors on that team, uh, Adam Hoffman, Nick Wagner, Travis Kiefer, Jeff Wolfenbach are the guys that come to mind there. Um, I was the backup running back to Travis and I was the cornerback um, along with Harris and then Welch is a free safety. On that team and Schumann ended up being the quarterback that year and then we were good and that we lost to Eaton Prairie in the semifinals and then junior year came back around and then we're like all right let's, we're gonna be loaded like we're gonna you know, let's get some payback we got Colts last year kind of got a sniff of what it felt like to be in the dome and you know lose to a really good team and we need where we need to get to and we start off we lose the first game of the year to Champlain Park we get down 24 nothing in the first quarter they had this running good kind of offense they surprised us with then we just we didn't it was just that we were ready for it one of those things so we come back we lose that game about two points we're like what the hell's going on here we and then we ended up losing a game to mounds view in that year too like six to three it was crazy rain weather they watered the field it was just like this mucky ugly <laughs> i'm like one of those things so we start two and two and we're like what the hell this is a team that like, we blew the doors off everybody last year as a soft and uh, these guys didn't lose at all through middle school and everything like that. And so kind of have a little players meeting, come to Jesus and we're like, all right, let's get her, let's get our stuff together here. And focus on little things that we started playing much better. Coaching adjustments that my dad and his staff made, I think really helped solidify some things on both sides of the line. And then, you know, towards the end of the year, everything just started clicking. And once we hit the playoffs, it was like, we were possessed. Like we beat the doors off everybody. Yeah. So that year was awesome. We ended up winning a state championship there. We. Take down a good Woodbury team in the section finals. We beat them by a point earlier in the year, I think. And then we, in the section finals, I think we won 35 to 10. And then we then have Eden Prairie coming in, into town. They're ranked number one. They're undefeated. Um, first round of the state tournament. We beat them 24 10. Like I, we were talking earlier, the only really big game they had was a, like a hook and ladder that failed because we hammered the guy who was going to get 
the ladder didn't take the hook out and uh, we were too planned for that. And the guy ran for 60 yards. Um, I think they ended up scoring off that, but and up with being those guys, we, then we played John Mark or Rochester, John Marshall in the semis. Um, they had some good players in that team. Trills, who was a middle linebacker for the Gophers. He was on that team. And I think we're up 35, nothing at halftime. I was like, oh my God, this is crazy. And then I uh, ended up beating play in the, cha- in the state championship game. That was, that was awesome. So definitely one of the, obviously key moments of my high school career was when it really it was really special too. like that, you know, my dad, the coach, right. You know, seeing all the other players and things like that, that came so short of it, that probably deserved to win it at the time. And for a reason, didn't win it. And it is what it is. They didn't win it. Or one of those things like it felt just so much bigger than just our team. I mean, when you do something like that, the community, it felt like the whole community was backing it. And then you throw in, you know, my dad as a coach from an emotional standpoint as me as a son. That's special. And then all these other coaches that have been on staff for just as long. So he's been there over longer with the program and they earned it. And just to be part of that and growing up in the program, it was just awesome. So there's that. Um, so that was the football season. Then we rolled into you know, Hanukkah and everything at like that too. Um, that year with all the guys that was cool. And I think was pretty unique is you know, all of the guys that played football played hockey. All the guys that played hockey played baseball. Right? Like there was like Joe Sandcamp, right? Been on the field, stud, and he was an awesome wrestler too. Him and Randy and Nick, Z- or not Nick, but Ryan Zajac. They, you know, they're multi-sport athletes and Joe Zemus played basketball, football, and stuff like that. I thought, I just think that's pretty unique. That just, it just felt like everybody was so much more pulling for each other um, during those days versus you know, specialization of an athlete and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, so that was my junior year of football. And then keep out of football senior year, we um, we had a really good team too. Had really really tight games. Um, ended up going to the state tournament. We'd have this crazy game against Johnston in the or St. Paul Johnston, sorry. Uh, in the sem- in the section of semifinals, we're down like seventeen nothing. I have to come back and win. That's twenty to seventeen. And I uh, ended up going and playing at Eden Prairie, and they, they blanked us like seventeen nothing. That team was absolutely stacked on the defense. Did not give up a point from the section championship game on to the state tournament. That team did. So kind of ran into a little buzzsaw on that aspect of it. Um, so that, but that, I mean, I, when I look back at like my football playing career with, sorry, that, like look back at my football playing, playing career, like just the playoff games alone. Like I got to play every year I think in like an extra season and a half or something like that. It was just like, oh, more football, like in high school, this is like a, some you know, players only get to play this many games, and those were the playoffs I got to play in for mm-hmm. sophomore, junior, senior year. So that was pretty special, um, pretty cool. Got some accolades, got some recognition from that aspect of it with all conference, um, first team all state a couple of times. And uh, they did, it was, well, I forget, it was like AP player of the year and then Metro player of the year for Star Tribune. I think they changed that stuff. I think they call it Mr. Football now or something like that, but it was pretty cool to get those accolades. On the side of it, I have to win it. You know, I, I was more worried about winning what I wanted to do. That's all I really cared about. And the other stuff came with it, but you don't get those. So it is, you don't get those individual accolades unless you have a good team. Yet. You can be the best player. First, yeah. You would need 11 guys in the field to do the work as one. And if that's not, it's, it's not going to work. Any highlights from the hockey and baseball seasons too? I know right around the, we had some major strings of great teams at the state tournament for hockey. And then obviously baseball as well. I think. It was probably your eighth or your ninth grade year is when we won the state tournament for baseball. So talk about the, the baseball well that you played on in hockey as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, hockey was an absolute blast. Breath um, Welch being the coach, great time. My sophomore year, it was a go from football that I knew because I grew up with the program and going to practices and knew what to expect into this long season with a smaller team. And this, the seniors of that year, like the graduating class 2001 would have been Travis Kiefer, who I knew from football. He's really good to me. 
um, back, I was back up running back to him. So I, I was tied to his hip and watching how hard he worked and things like that, which is awesome. Um, and then we had Casey Welch, Mike Peterson, and then Andy Hartung, AKA Buddha, where, uh, where the, that was kind of the senior class. And those guys are still buddies to this day and really just they really awesome guys. And they were so welcoming, like as far as like upperclassmen goes, where you hear some hazing stories and all this stuff that could not be more of the opposite. Like really just say, hey, guys, we're keen, let's go. And we ended up going to state tournament that year, my sophomore year. So semi-football, the semifinals was in Prairie, top four in the state. Now we're going, playing the state tournament at the end of the year. And uh, our first job was Austin, Minnesota. So we're like, you know, we're, you know, you know, they're the lower, you know, where we, we can take it to these guys. And so we, I think we got down like two nothing. I was like, oh my God. And then Travis Keeper said, basically, I got you guys. Don't worry. And then all of a sudden we took over and I think we ended up winning like seven to three. So we advanced to the winner's bracket, which keeps you in the Excel Energy Center, right? Mm-hmm. So the next game we played, we had to play, it was Elk River. We played Elk River in the semis and that team was loaded, like really loaded. We ended up losing, I think it was like four to three and tight game. And so we lose four, I think it was four to three to those guys. And they ended up going on to win it. And then the third place game, we're playing Greenway and they had, I think it was Andy Sertich and Gino Geyer were the two guys. They're both going to Gophers and they're a small school up in like the Iron Range territory. And uh, we ended up losing to them. I want to say it was in like, I think it might've been overtime or like a four to three battle or something like that. So we're so close, right? To getting there. And, but it was just a different season that I got to experience. Like, oh my gosh, like here we are, like state tournament, the Minnesota high school hockey state tournament was like, that. it's so cool. It was so fun playing there. Never got to go back, thought we would. We had like six or seven sophomores in my class on that team and then ended up working out after that. But that, so that was my sophomore year, which is awesome. And, and then move on to baseball with Mike Loud in that program and like baseball, man, I just, I could hit. I could take batting practice for 24 straight hours. Like I just love playing the game. It's springtime. It's different. It's laid back. Something. And we had, uh, we had some guys like Andy Hartung, Jake Johnson, and then Nick Stark. Those guys were the seniors. Oh, and Brian Myers as well. He was the kind of the horse from a pitcher standpoint. And if I'm forgetting somebody on there, I don't think I am, but those are the four seniors of them. Awesome guys from that aspect of it. And we got in sections. I don't, we didn't. We underachieved. I think we might have lost a simile in the first round of sections, actually. I remember Mike Loud pissed. What the hell? Didn't underachieve there. I'm pretty sure we lost that. That was not good. But, and then, what the class above me, the 2002 class for baseball is preloaded. Um, so like Adam and oh, Derek Pfeffer and John Board was another name. And then Chiller Vander, he played for the Goldbergs, things like that. So we knew we were reloading for next year. But as far as you mentioned, 90, it would have been 1999 is when they won the state championship game. That was, Pretty cool to see like in that class. So that would have been like Danny Welch and Tafe and Dustin Wolverzang. And that was my older brother, Jake, his class. So I watched those guys growing up, like since I could remember, like going to hockey ranks and watching those guys just beat up on teams. And that was really like, they're four years above me. And if you really look back at like the success they've had, the Raiders Express program, this, I think Trent and my dad built up, um, it was a summer workout program and I would work on like filing all the paperwork for like the next workouts and stuff like that. There was basically a child labor, right? So I think my dad paid me like two bucks an hour or something like that to do it. And so, uh, but I had a front row seat getting there early in the morning and these guys would be like working their butts off, right? I'm like, oh wow. So I'm watching these guys sprinting on the treadmill. There's no air conditioning. It's the middle of July, in, you know, the summer in a gymnasium and you're in this like little room 
in the, in those treadmills. And I mean, it's probably 110 degrees and Adam Gerlachs, the Danny Welches, the world just working their butts out the Bulgazangs and even like Aaron Diddy and stuff like that, that were all older. And I'm like, oh my God, like these athletes are just working there. And all of a sudden I'm going to their state tournament games and everything like that. And I'm like, oh, kind of the, the recipe here. Okay. So when I was old enough to serve Raiders Express, that was, all right, you put in time here to winning over here. And that's just, I had a friend I see to all those guys. So like that baseball tournament, when they won that state championship, and that class was crazy with, they won the state championship, took second in hockey, and then they lost to Woodbury in the section finals that won it all. They could have had three legit yeah. titles. Like the Rosso game, talk, yeah. talk a little bit about that. that Rosso team was pretty loaded that they lost to. I think they'll say it now, but maybe Danny won't admit no, yeah, I think he did admit to it. He said, I think Danny was the one, or maybe it was Adam. I can't remember, but they basically just said, I think they took it down the ice against Rosso. And the first time they shot, it just like bounced <laughs> in the middle of the goalie's chest. And they just said, he, I think he said, he said he, he knew it was over after that. They just didn't have it. And he talked about too, and I've talked to someone else about it, just the way the games were played, the times. Yeah. I think they had a late game the night before or the day before, and then they played pretty early against Rosal. He just said they had cash. They're, they're just really low energy. And the game before was when they had those two goals within, what was it? You would know better than me, about 45 seconds. Yeah, so they're opening. Yeah, they had a, that tournament was crazy. Like they're down a goal, I think, with 30 some seconds to go. And Danny put two goals in, like in this yeah. shift to win the game. So they went yeah. with like, I think he scored as like time expired. It was like really happens in hockey. And so that game was not, no, the late game. They got down to like 1130. The following night that they played Elk River with Paul Martin and probably some other guys on the team too, but Paul Martin was their stud. And uh, that game, I think went to double overtime and Travis Kiefer got the game winner as a sophomore. And uh, so they were up to, you know, that game got them probably, I don't know, 132 in the morning. And then they had to leave the hotel, I think. The hotel made them leave because the checkout was like 10 like four or five. They go home, take a nap come back and it was like seven o'clock, five thirty, seven o'clock, whatever the start was. Like they were just like crazy games, emotions high. And that rose yeah. was absolute lower. Yeah. Those emotional highs and lows are just in combination with the late games and all that kind of stuff too. It's just, uh, it was just a little too much for him. And I think the Rosos goalie was just on point too, just a huge body in the net and wasn't just wasn't in the cards for that night. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, those guys, I mean, they're, they're like, it was like, oh, these guys are doing it right. And watching the guys just beat the Eden Prairies and Edinas is, oh, we can do that too. So that's where you know, we were, I was never, I never went into a game you know, from youth on, you know, like, oh, we're playing Eden Prairie, Diana or Bloomington or Lakeville, whoever. I was like, no, they're playing Hastings, man. We're going to, we're going to put beats on these guys. And we did. Like, I think like, you, so it would have been, when they were winning, I would have been like seventh grade when they were in that area. So it was Peewee's, Mark Choyne is our head coach. And one of the best coaches I, to this day, like, I absolutely love that guy and was, he was so tough. He brought this heated toughness down and he, you'd work, he got the most of his players and everybody worked so hard for him and on the team and just how he kind of ran his team and everything like that. And, you know, we would, we were not intimidated to play anywhere. Uh, and whether it's on the ice or going to play baseball or football or something like that, we knew, Hey, look at us where these guys are upper class from the beat, like, let's make sure we're doing our part here and, you know, working our butts off in the summertime and everything and that to make sure that we continue when they pass the, you know, the town on down, we want to come through and, you know, win that state championship for football was huge, right? From that aspect of it. And, you know, it would have been nice to get more. It is what it is there. So. Awesome. You know, I had a couple of questions about that state championship year. You kind of answered 
a couple of them. I was wondering about some highs and lows. He definitely went through that with early losses in the season. You guys got it together a little bit. You guys as players and then your dad and the rest of the coaches kind of pulled things together too. My question too was expectations. Did you really think the state tournament, state finals was in your grasp? Like, hey, we can win it this year. Were you thinking like, hey, we're a top three team. We can make the state finals. Or I know there's always teams out there. You're just like, man, we, we could have won it this year, but this team was just clicking and, and we just didn't really have it against them. What were your expectations like maybe going into that year, especially with the highs and lows of the early season? Yeah, yeah. For football, or definitely my junior year, like we were like, it felt like we were, we should beat anybody. All those things, like looking back at it, it was, maybe we, our EO was a little inflated that like we just show up and win on one of those things. And I think we got, that Champlain team was really good and they had some good players on the team. Um, and that, that humbled us. I think, oh, wow, like what the heck? This isn't normal. This, we should have won. What the hell is going on here? One of those things. And that Mother's game too was, it was, just like, what is two and two? We're like, we're oh, like, we're out of the raking, you know, in the pioneer press, like the first time ever. I'm like, what the heck is going on here? And what going in the expectations were sky high. Yeah. We're going to win this thing. And then all of a sudden they're two and two kind of look at each other and be like, okay, you know, maybe let's not, you know, the end goal is still to win it. Like let's focus on this week, right? Take it one week at a time. That's all we control. And if we don't write the ship here, like just that goodbye. Cause you know, let's, we got. Stillwater coming up or wherever what the next component there, the next opponent in that aspect of it. So that's, so that was more humbling. I thought like hockey wise coming up, going into my junior year, we felt really good about it. And we, I don't know if we're just on hangover from the football season because a lot of us played into November. I think it was like Thanksgiving, missed a couple, and I missed a couple games just to recoup because mm-hmm. we were literally playing games that seemed like overlap. And I just don't think we, same type of thing. I don't know if we hang over or what, but we just couldn't get over it with, from that aspect of it. So we underachieved a little bit. Um, did get out of the section. We did switch sections. We played Roseville and they were loaded. Like they had a bunch of, just like, I think they had Marty Sertich, they like, ended up winning the Hobie Baker award. So it's not like we were losing like any slouches and stuff like in our mind, we were like, that was definitely we underachieved from that aspect of it, which I'm disappointed in that. But. It's interesting. One of the things that I talked to my kids about a lot today in wrestling is about failure and how failure, setbacks, injuries, all those kind of stuff can really lead you further into the future. Do you think that might be the case with that junior year too, where maybe without those early losses in the season, you might have not uh, maybe won the state tournament at the end of the year or really exceeded expectations for the end of the year. Maybe you win those kind of close games. And like you said, maybe your ego's inflated a little bit, or you guys think you're better than you really are and you don't have those come Jesus moments. So do you think that could be the case too with you guys where those failures really led you farther into the future? Yeah, I definitely think it was. Yeah, for sure. The, it's one of those things like where the depth, it definitely like stung, right? It was like, whoa, hold on. I mean, we got to do it. Maybe it forces you to go back to the base, right? Mm-hmm. Football is not a complicated game when you really break it down, right? It's angles and blocking and tackling, right? Making the play, catch the ball, stuff like that. Um, where I think it made us refocus. Um, big time on what we need to do the right thing and really focus on practice and what we can take care of and really focus on doing our job. And I, and I think if we don't, and maybe if we squeak those games out and win, we're not as laser focused going through the playoffs at that point, because we knew what it's like to lose. It was some of those losses, right? If no, it's a split, we're slow. So I think they, I can't answer. I don't know if, if we would have won the, if we would have won those games, not lost and start four and versus two and two, if we would have won the state championship, I don't know. Yeah, but I do know that it definitely it helped us 
really have to take a step back and be like, okay, what do we want to achieve here? If this is the goal, then let's recalibrate, focus on today, I get better today, then tomorrow, and then take it on an opponent on Friday night. That's what we did before. Awesome. And one of the questions we always ask is about the best coach that you've played for. And you are very, very fortunate to play multiple sports in high school, many sports growing up, and be exposed to a lot of great coaches. So I guess two parts. Maybe first thing, talk about your dad. What was it like to be coached by your dad? Because I know you're not the first one that's been on here that's been coached by a parent. And I know that could always be a very testy situation. Yeah. And maybe not the best car ride home and put some, put some different family members at odds when you get at home too. So talk about what it was like being coached by your dad. Was he able to separate maybe being your dad and your coach, or was it just coach all the time and, and things of that nature? And then any other coaches you really want to highlight too that could be determined or defined as that best coach as well? Yeah. Yeah. So with my dad, I, I get to, all through high school, even into college, I got to ask that question all the time. Right? What's it like to be coached by your dad? And my answer was, well, I don't know anything different than him being my coach. Cause I think he started coaching when I was like one years old. Right. So he was, that's all I know. Um, so for me out there was, he was always the coach of the program and I was always around the practice too. Like I was always, always drive a bike up there. Um, and just like watch practice or just throw footballs. And I was always running around up there. So that's really all I knew in his staff, Dolberg and Hartman and coach Moore and Marty Kranz and th those guys were awesome. And I knew they're almost like extended family at that point. So for me, I think a couple of things like his watching him as a coach, he like from a value system standpoint, what is what you get with him, right? No, was he more like, he was, ran a very tight ship, you know, disciplined to me, I mean, all that stuff that he had, he, he demanded from his player right? and his staff and everything like that. And that's why they're successful. Um, but it was, it was, it was not different at home. He was a guy at home, probably a little more like harder at football practice. And he's, a, you know, he's definitely more relaxed and things like that, but mm -hmm. he did a good job of separating like the coach, Majeski wrote from dad, right? definitely like love in the house and had things like that where you know i needed him to be dad he'd be dad and one of those things but it wasn't like he definitely wasn't soft right <laughs> from that aspect of it and like it was but it like sees what you do with him so it was it was definitely consistent from that aspect which i appreciate so it wasn't like i always tell people like he's different at home but his expectations are the same for his family as his players are he expects the most he can do the right thing right you can make mistakes. That's okay. Like, let's correct them. Be accountable, whether you're his kid or that. So for me, like an early age, I'm like, okay, coming up as a sophomore, I know that somebody's job, you know, as a senior, if I'm going to play him or a junior, I'm a kind of leapfrog here. So I always kept that in the back of my mind. And that conversation he had me from when I was a squirt is like, make sure that you do everything you possibly can. So they don't they basically don't take you off the field. They can't, or they beat eighty. So that was my goal is playing for my dad. I never, ever wanted him. I wanted to make sure my play was good enough so that nobody would question why he was playing his song. And I feel like I did a pretty good job of holding up the end of the bargain, right? From that aspect of it. So that was, I never wanted to put him in that situation. And that's where I just made sure that I did everything I possibly could as an athlete to, to get to where I need to be. So he didn't have to have those tough conversations. And I was like, yeah, because he, he's better. Oh, that's. Hopefully that's all it was. And to his credit, I think he, throughout his coaching career, just, you know, being in the room and watching, you know, from early age, all the way through my high school, he made tough decisions. Like, Hey, this guy's better. You're playing. It didn't matter who you were. It's like, if you're better, you are playing. It's that, which I give a lot of credit to him for that. 
So yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of unique because it's like, when somebody asks you that question, like, I don't know any difference. So like, it's not like yeah. one day he was the coach and got it when I was like a junior in high school. And I was like, oh man, I threw this, our life over here was this. And then you know, now he's coaching and I, and I wouldn't change it for the world. I mean, it was awesome. I think it brought us closer, right? In the share state championships and, you know, practice and watching how he works. And that's really people can get to see their dad at the job at the seat of that. So I think that was pretty cool. Good memories. You know, being a ball boy at the sidelines, all the way playing for him. So it was pretty sick. So. There's that. And then as far as other coaches, you know, my high school, I look at, I got coached by a Hall of Fame coach and my dad for football, rolling into the next season for a Hall of Fame coach with Russ Welch. So, I mean, they're, you're a pretty good company there, right? From a coaching standpoint, baseball with Mike Loudon, baseball is just such a different sport, but you know, he was there for 30 some years, ran a good program, things like that. That was not free special. Um, but as far as our youth impact and things like that, I always go back to Mark Chorty. And just that toughness he still says over Pee Wee six and seven graders. It was like, man, in those days are so much fun. Like you could tell he was having fun with the team. You needed to work hard to play for him. And I think that type of mentality is how like my dad was in his program too, right? There's nothing soft about those programs, man. It was like, oh God, you gotta really you gotta show up. And they did it. And all the coaches that I had, you know, from a youth standpoint, like they always recognize hard work. You may not be the best player on the team, but if you're working hard, they're gonna recognize that and everybody would see that. And then they would I think that's what they would try to just, hey, exemplify, hey, this guy, hockey, gave up his body to make a pass and we got a goal to get or even got the puck out. Oh my good, you know, you know, oh you can't blind on the ice and score the goal. Great. Oh, awesome job at the same time, like it's a team effort. Now you guys gotta be looking out for one another from that aspect of it. So mm-hmm. those are like from my dad to, to Russ to, to Mark and you know, even like our baseball club, Ken Ryers and, and Sam Tripp, we practiced all the time. Like it was like five days a week after school, five <laughs> days a week. And I remember one day, I, I think of like seventh grade or sixth grade, I'm whining about going to have the bike to baseball practice. My dad looks at me and he's like, he's like, so you don't like taking third, I think we took like third place in state the year before or something. He's like, so you don't like taking third place in state? And I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, you do understand the reason why you're taking third place in the state of Minnesota for baseball is because you guys practice a lot. That's how you get better is you practice. Yeah. So if you're going to whine about practice, don't whine to me when you don't, when you lose out in state, I'm like, oh, okay. So those are kind of holes. I'm like, all right, I'll go to practice now. <laughs> I got it. So they'll just like all these coaches along the way were just like, I was pretty fortunate, man. All around Mitch yeah. Morrison, Larry Regenshai, they're my band coaches in hockey. They're awesome. Just like. Pretty spoiled that when I think about like my youth and the coaches I had actually like exposure to, because they knew what they're doing. They cared. They all had different philosophies, um, different personalities, things like that. But at the end of the day, like they cared, they knew, they, they really got the best out of you and just in different ways. It was really cool to see. I know you coach for a little bit too, but think about the qualities those coaches had when you were growing up and in high school as well. Did you really? Think about those when you went into coaching and tried to carry any of those same qualities when you were a coach. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. I learned early on that, like I needed to be myself as a coach, right? But I could take little nuggets here and there and you know, it goes as a coach, right? You're, there's always like a inner voice of some coach in a situation that gets brought up, like inspires you, right? And you want to make sure you're doing that to you know, pass that on, pass that along. So I'd always try to you know, be cognizant of the situation of whether it was when I was at Egan, I was coaching football, hockey, and baseball. So I tried to like, all right, Loudon did this, you know, Russ did this, my dad did this, Marty Kranz did this, Jake Moore said that. Like always constantly looking at these figures in my life that were like so impactful 
and tried to put my flavor on it, I guess, if that makes sense. So a hundred percent was, there was a, you're pulled from all over the place, all here. over the place, man. And that yeah. even through college coaches and stuff like that, it was just like, I feel like, you know, the amount of, that I got through you through college, man, it's awesome. Just awesome people still talk to a lot of them today. Yeah. They definitely, their voice is still in my head. I literally like every day at work, like sometimes I'll just I'll dig deep or something. I will trigger something. I came up like, like, I need that. Here we go. Let me know. So I play my job, right? It's like, I approach it as if I'm playing a sport and that's how my day to day is. So parenting to job to whatever. And that's kind of how I approach my day as an athlete. So I try to much of an athlete, less of an athlete now, <laughs> but you know, yeah, try to keep that mental edge. So for sure. You named a lot of names of the guys that you played with on the football field, on the ice and on the baseball field as well. If you want to just nail down a couple more people or highlight a couple of the teammates that you had, someone that really stuck out to you as maybe the best teammate or someone that was really there for you. you talked a lot about the older guys as well. They, you know, you're on the sidelines and you're seeing those older guys play and you really modeled your behaviors and actions off of those older guys too. So if you want to take this best teammate question in a, many different ways, you can go for it. So who do you think that would be for you, John? Yeah, yeah absolutely. So I think if we go, I break it down like my high school career. Like sophomore year, like Travis Tiefer was very impactful to me on the football field and into the hockey field. And then we talked about Casey and Welch and Mike Peterson and Andy Hartung. Um, those guys are awesome. My junior year, not the 2002 class. So like Adam Welch, Johnny Schumann, Nick Harris, Thomas Attell uh, from a football standpoint, Tim McNamara from a hockey standpoint, like those guys were just like, you know, like brothers to me. Right. And we're all there for one another year. Know, growing up together and you know, playing, you know, all the phases of hockey, you know, squares to peewees to bantams to, to varsity and everything like that. That was a special bond there. Um, and then my senior year, like Randy Foss and Joe Sankamp on the football field tour trip as well. Um, and then you know, throwing like Joe Kazemius, Marcus Plager, Pete Coonrod, Jesse Pope when it comes to like hockey. Um, I'm probably forgetting somebody, but it was just like, there's so many, like growing up at Hastings, I feel is unique from a community standpoint is. When I was there, like most of these guys, like we all grew up there. Marcus moved in, I think in like fifth or sixth grade, but he was really the only one that moved in. Other than that, it was like homegrown, right? Um, which I think it made it that much more special from a relationship standpoint, top to bottom there. And then on, like outside of like my class, you know, the Adam Virilox, Matt Vanderbosch's, Jeff Tate, Ben Thar, Danny Welch, Derek Garcia, Dustin Volgazang, those guys, Ben Utech, like, man, these guys are all. Mike, uh, Mike, Michael Bauer, he was a Tilden Tiger, by the way, way back when <laughs> those guys were just like, like I was looking at him like, holy crap, these guys are like, I want to be like them when I get right now. That was my goal. Just watching what they did. Oh, it was cool to see that. I got to that point from with my, me and my teammates that win that state championship. That's awesome. So you talked about the recruiting process a little bit, a lot of calls from a lot of high level D1s in Wyoming, kind of playing with you a little bit and NDSU always being there for you. So you go to NDSU, walk us through the, your years at NDSU. Um, obviously, like I said, you already talked about the recruiting process a little bit. If you want to expand on that, you can go for it as well. But talk about the recruiting process a little, talk about your career at NDSU, uh, your major. And then if we want to go from when you graduated at NDSU to where we are right now, let's do that as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So recruiting process was, it started off really fun, right? I was like getting, I think it was, my sophomore year, I started to get some letters. I think the first one I got was in like Alabama. I'm like, wow, this is, this is weird. Like, wow, here we go. And, you know, getting calls from a lot of like the Midwest programs and 
got invited down to Notre Dame's camp, but did not play well down there. So I knew that was like, see ya. Um, but like Nebraska, the Gophers, Iowa, um, Wyoming came in late. Those are like the main, the main ones. And then she was always in the background. So Bryn Vegan was the, uh, and so let me back it up. So then as the season progresses and things like that, it's like Northwestern was in there too. They were like, Hey, we don't want you to walk. I preferred walk on, preferred walk on, golfers want me to preferred walk on, all that stuff. And, and like, and then he was like, Hey, full ride. Let's go. They're jumping up, transition years from Division two to Division one AA at the time, which is yes, I believe. And, and I'm like, I'm going here. This is awesome. And it was Brent Vegan was the, he was the main recruiter. He's actually the head coach now at Montana State. And uh, just fantastic human being. His wife, Molly's awesome. Um, and, I'm like, let's go. So when I got up there, what was crazy about that story is Bob Babbage was the head coach at the time that recruited me. When I signed, he left to go to the, I think it was the St. Louis Rams at the time of under Lovey Smith. And so he went to that NFL. Comes this guy that I have no clue who he was. Just got fired from Nebraska as the D coordinator. His name's Craig Bull. And I'm like, who the heck? This guy didn't recruit me. What the heck's going on here? The two... So Brent Beacon stayed on staff. And then um, a guy named Gus Bradley, who was the uh, former coach of Jacksonville Jaguars. He was the D coordinator at NDSU. So he stayed too. And Gus would come down to Twin Cities and him and Coach Vegan, uh, Coach Bradley would pop into Hastings every now and then, touch my dad and stuff like that. And he's like one of the best human beings on the planet. Like that guy is awesome. So Brent. So those guys were there. And then my coach in my redshirt year. And we were like in this weird transition phase. So we're jumping up to Division One AA within the program. They're D two powerhouse. There's really no conference for us at the time. We formed this like makeshift Great West Conference, and and so like basically like the island of the misfit toys that don't have a conference. It was like Austin Southern Utah, mm-hmm. South Dakota State at the time, um, Cal Poly Cup, Cal Davis, and maybe it. And so we go up there, and my four years. So I read sure that was. Interesting. It goes like, oh my God, tech will get a tumble. Like you walk into a program like that and it's like, oh, these are like, I'm not, these are men. These are not like high schoolers anymore. It's yeah. holy crap, right? Richard season goes pretty well. Um, learned a lot. Scout team. I'm, I'm playing defense at the time, playing like safety. And then my freshman year, so my retro freshman year, I backed up my buddy Craig Dahl, who played for Mankato. And I think it was Mankato. Well, he's going to probably Mankato West. I think it was East or West. Can't remember. And he has Richard pulled. So I was backup strong safety by Richard freshman year. And then after that, they moved me. So I played like special teams and things like that. And then they moved me to receiver my sophomore, junior, senior year. And then I would try kicks too. And, uh, it was like the best thing ever. One, because I would never play it because Craig ended up started for four years and ended up playing like nine years in the NFL. So I don't know. He was a pretty damn good player on, and a good buddy. And, and then plus like at that point, I was like, oh, like playing receiver way better than safety practice was fun i'm doing one hand catch drills versus like tackling drills and i go like oh i actually look forward to practice now and stuff like that definitely wanted the ball in my hands a little helped in that aspect of it so and she was awesome made some really good teams um it was just from a sporting standpoint like you go you know you go to a from high school to college like it's more business right i mean it's you are there to win they're paying they're, that point like they're Painting through scholarship, but it was a job. You were there to win. Your focus is like the program. Let's put up some W's. You know, we have a lot of tradition here. Let's keep this thing going. 
And uh, so my four years of eligibility, we were ineligible for the playoffs because we were on probation because we jumped up from, um, to the D1 lay level, which is a weird, I'm still what it is. So we finished my junior and senior year, we were 10 and one. We had a top five in the country and we couldn't go to the playoff. So bummer and hope to see what they've done with the program since, like all these national championships. It's awesome. Like extremely proud to be an alumni there and play out there. And I think that they would get to the level where they're at now. No way. Like they're, 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 they're something else, but it's really cool to be part of something like that. And the reason why I went up there is like, these guys win, man. They mm-hmm. won, I think, seven national championships as a D2 school. Um, and obviously I think they won, I don't know how many now is one to lay, but it's like awesome. Experience. And you guys said, what? Go ahead. You guys said you beat the Gophers one year? Yeah. So we, uh, and the cool thing was like during that time period, so my junior year, we got a crack at the Gophers. Glenn Mason's last year was, was that year. And we ended up losing the game 10 to nine. The ball inside the red zone seven times and came up with nine. Playing to me how that happens. I don't know. We statistical category. We could dominate the game. We felt and came up short. We got the, the, a field goal as time expired or else we were on that game. And then, so the next year we played him again and then we got him, we beat him 27 to 21. So lost him once, beat him once. And then we played uh, central Michigan. Which was a one one A opponent opponent. They won the Mayan year. I think they beat Purdue in a bowl game. We, we beat them forty four to fourteen. We beat Ball State it was in the Mayan. I think there's one other school that we played. That was a one A school. Gophers. Can't remember what the other one was, but it was it was fun. And that was kind of like hey, like yeah, we, we just beat a Big Ten team. I think in Brewster's first year, they were they were not my junior year. The Gophers were way better. They ended up. Texas Tech in a bowl game or something like that, but that was kind of like, hey, like you know, this hard work is paying off. Like, I need to, we got a real program here. This is awesome. Like, mm-hmm. you have to get close to them. That was a lot of fun from that aspect of that. I got some buddies that played in the NFL and just we had some freaks on that team, man. Like it was there was Joe Mays. Um, you gotta look it up for to get. I remember Matt Schaub got his ear ripped off. Like no, you gotta remember this. Google Matt Schaub ear ripped off. He gets hit by the okay. University. Joe, that was our middle linebacker, Joe Mays. The guy was just a specimen. Awesome dude, but 5'10", 250, and just ripped. And the, the most explosion I've ever seen in my entire life. So yeah, with him, there's no, an, another buddy of mine, Ramon Humber. He made it the pros. He's a, he's a Champlain Park guy. Um, he won a Super Bowl with the last 10 Patriots, too. So he just got out of the league. So we had some freaks up there, man, that, that were, it was, it was fun to play in that. It was like, wow, okay, these guys. Pumped with some guys in the NFL here, and it was, it was a good time, man. That's great. So you graduate from there and I know you were a teacher right away for a little bit. So talk about becoming a teacher. And then once again, tell me about what you transitioned to after teaching. And then if you want to talk about your family and current occupation and things along that nature too, you can go for it. Yeah. So I graduated from NDSU with a social science education major. And then I met my wife, Julie. She's also an NDSU grad. We met the last semester of school and then she moved down the Twin Cities area. And then I ended up um, student teacher at Egan, thanks to Pete Zach. Um, who's in Hastings, he was a principal there at Egan. He helped me uh, get put in the door and then I got hired on. And so I taught at Egan, um, as a social studies teacher for two years. And then I got to coach um, under Rick Sutton as a, as assistant coach in his staff for two years. And then also coached Mike Taylor, who was in the hockey, um, who was the hockey head coach there. And then uh, Rob Walsh, who was the, the baseball coach there too. I coached 10th grade baseball there. And I, I love it. It was the best job I ever had. Absolutely loved it. 
people have no idea how much work goes to the teaching um, and top of that coaching. So kudos to you. Yeah, but it was definitely the most rewarding job I've ever had. Uh, I got cut. It was 2008 or 2009 and recession hit. They didn't pass referendum. They cut me within the district, me and two other non-tenured social studies teachers. And so it was a reality set in just getting married. Oh my, well, we have a mortgage, stuff like that. Um, one of my buddies I played with in the MSU got me into med device sales. So I worked for a company called Striker Orthopedics for a couple of years. And then from there, I went from there, uh, transitioning to what I do now. I'm working for a company called Beacon Hill Technologies. So we're IT sales, like staffing sales and things like that for companies. So I've, I've been with the company now 13 years and been in Des Moines. This is year number nine. So Julie and I moved out here in a whim um, for job opportunity. To Des Moines, didn't know anybody. She knew Eric, uh, Eric Ellingworth's brother, yeah. Tommy down here. Um, and he helped get a situation and things like that. And then Beth Strait, which is formerly Beth Moore, and she's out actually Tilden Tiger as well. He's things alone. She's out here too. And, uh, it all comes back to Tilden, yeah. huh? Yeah, it, go, it always goes back to Tilden. Exactly. And, uh, yeah, so we started our family out here. So all three kids, um, we, Adrina, who was going to third grade, Jordan is going to kindergarten, and then Derek's two and a half. They're all born in Iowa. And I'm an Anathal moment for me. With two years ago, we were at my parents' house in Hastings and it was, we did like an early Thanksgiving and the Gophers were playing in the Hawkeye and all my neighbors down here brainwashed my kids. Like they are Hawkeyes <laughs> and we're out there watching the Gopher game and my older brother, Jay and daughters are given Adrena, they're giving and me some crap about the Hawkeyes and stuff like that. And Adrena turns to me and she's like, who are the Gophers? What is going on? And she was like, oh, snap that. Who would think, why would it go for the Hawkeyes? Didn't happen. Uh, the Hawkeyes won, but it's funny. That was like, and I was like, oh, I guess we, we met. They don't nothing but Iowa Hawkeyes here and the fight clubs and stuff like that down here. So it was, uh, yep, I guess we're a Hawkeye family now. And then you too. And hmm. Go Bison and go Hawks in the house here. So, but that's how Iowa sports is in general. It's just, it's a mostly Hawkeye country, a little bit Iowa state, yep. and that's about it. There's no, I don't think they, there's really, there's they don't know that there's other sports out there or other schools out there as well. Yep. Yeah. They're the two D1 programs in the state. There's no professional mm-hmm. stuff here. You'll get some NFL, they're everywhere, but you'll have Packers and a lot of Chicago people with bears and you know, Vikings are creeping here. Some Broncos fans can the chiefs are actually the closest. So they're coming out of the woodwork with Patrick Mahomes and all stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many chief fans were there before that, but I know it is definitely, I always say like, obviously like. Far college football and athletics go CC, I think it's kick. There's no, like, that's almost religion down there, but like the passion for the Hawkeyes and Cyclones of the state is real, man. It's awesome. Like the real deal. It's a real thing. And you know, they, they live in real. It's just pretty cool. So a lot of fun no. in the fall. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I went to a Iowa State football game at Iowa one year and it was the most hostile game I've ever been to in my entire life. It was like, I was legitimately scared walking around that arena for the Iowa State fans. Uh, very, very brutal for them. So yeah. I would not wish that on anybody. No, so they totally think it's pretty crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yep, exactly. Well, that's great. John, before we get into our last couple questions, anything else you want to wrap up with high school, growing up here in Hastings, and then high school, and then college as well? Anything else you might want to hit on before we get to our last couple questions? Yeah, the question you sent me, I was thinking it was kind of a cool moment. This would have been we had a 20 year anniversary of the state championship football team. Uh, it would have been last, I think it was last fall already. And I thought the coolest thing about it was probably like ended up throughout the day, like maybe 45 guys kind of showed up in and, and uh, throughout the night, they went to the game and I had uh, drinks after and kind of reminiscent and things like that. 
I think the coolest thing that I took away was there's no necessarily talk about who scored what touchdown or all that. It was, and the, the, you know, a mixed bag of you know, guys who started and guys who were on the field team and didn't. But the, I think the special thing about it was we all, we all are day champs and, they, and it didn't matter to who played what, who played where. All you do is remember like the team and the memories of doing it together. And mm -hmm. I think that's pretty powerful with you guys winning the state championship wrestling, just cause you didn't get the pin. And if you were the, you know, the wrestling partner, you're going to feel like you did something there cause you did. Those do matter. I feel we're getting away from that a little bit in sports where, you know, people, oh, I'll just, if it's down my sport, I'll just quit. And I just, man, there's so much more to sports than that. Right. And you can be there for another. So I thought that was pretty cool. Like seeing that come full circle and I just how proud of every, everybody. Was. It didn't matter who did what. It was just like, we were all at the guy. It was really, really special. Really cool. That. Oh, that is really cool. And I think about the same thing all the time too. When I reminisce about high school and college as well, playing wrestling back then, never remember a hard practice. I never remember any of those kind of things. I barely remember the certain matches. I do remember the bus rides and I remember all the fun stuff that happened, all the goofy things that we did. And those are the things that always stick with you, especially how coaches made you feel, how teammates made you feel. Those are the things that always stick with you. It's never, like you said, the certain plate and who had how many yards or who had what catches and how many touchdowns you have. I think that's a really powerful thing with sports as well, that at the end of the day, it's all about the camaraderie that you have with the teammates. It's about the bonds that you have with them, the relationships that they have with them. That stuff's going to last forever. The stats, no one cares about that really at the end of the day. So that's the stuff that's going to fade away, but really those relationships that really stick with you for a long time. That's what really matters most about sports, which is pretty cool. Yep. Agreed, man. Couldn't have said it better myself. That's agree hundred percent. For sure. So our last couple of questions here, John, we always look for a couple pieces of advice for parents, coaches, and student athletes. So the first group that we look at here is parents and coaches. Thinking back on all your experiences growing up in new sports, high school as well, three sport athlete in high school, college athlete as well, uh, NDSU. If you had to give parents and coaches just a couple pieces of advice, what do you think it would be? Great question. I think if to like parents or you know, coaching, and now that I'm on that side, coaching all my daughter stuff, my son stuff and things like that, my message to them would say, you know, you always, you always give these conversations or hear about coaches say, if I would have done, if I would worked harder, I would have been better and stuff like that. If you are coaching or going or forcing your kid to play a sport because you felt like you didn't work hard enough, you're doing it for the wrong reason, like hundred percent, the wrong reasons and don't do it. You're going to ruin your kid. Like it's, it, the kid's not going to have a good experience, support them and try to get them as involved as much as you possibly can and let them dictate where they want to go from there. Like I gave the example that I ended up playing hockey and my dad can't even skate, have skates in the house, right? He played basketball growing up and he was probably like, oh man, what are we going to do here? Where do you get a hockey stick? Where do you have one in the house? Things like that. So let your kind of guide that. I mean, you got to push them, you know, things like that and, and make sure that they're not giving up from that aspect of it. But I think that there's so many people out there that are living through their kid or want to coach because they felt like it's a void in their life. Don't ruin another kid's life because you regret something. Apply that to your current job. Get better at yourself today. Don't, don't you like live vicariously through a team and I'm trying to puff your chest because you want a 10 period or a 10 year old baseball game or something. So that'd be, that'd be the advice I would give out there. That's great. Last group then is student athletes. These could be the young kids coming to Todd Field in a couple of weeks here, watching the first football game. They're coming to the ice arena, watching the first high school, the first hockey game or the baseball field as well. And 
They're the young kids looking up to those high school athletes. If you had to give them a couple pieces of advice, what do you think it would be? Advice I'll give them is like, you can do it. Like you can dream it because you set your goals high and go and work towards those and you can achieve them. You'll be surprised. Everybody starts somewhere. Um, doesn't matter from Hastings or wherever, whatever you want to achieve, set a goal and go after it and you'll be surprised. Don't be afraid to, but you're going to have to work hard for it. There's no way around it. If you think stuff's going to be handed to you and that's why, and that's just not the case. That's life in general, right? You got to earn what you get. And if you're willing to put in the time and effort, you're going to succeed. And you're also going to fail along the way, which is going to make you a better person overall. Go after it, be committed. If it's tough, that's okay. You're going to get through it. And that's going to, you're going to come on better after that. Even if you do fail, learn from it, move on to the next thing. Just don't quit. Don't give up. And you'll, you'll that's a life lesson that you're going to take till this day, until I die. That, that's my mid stuff I learned as a sports, as peewee hockey, 10, 10 year old baseball, you know, stuff like that. Like those memories are real and they're embedded. And that's how I literally apply life today. Like don't. Set the bar high and you'll be surprised what you achieve. I love it. I love it, especially with you too. That's a lesson you learned in fourth grade that stuck with you for the rest of your life too. So that's pretty powerful stuff to see a lesson like that learned pretty early and it still applies at in, in middle school, in high school, and in, in, in obviously after college. Really cool stuff. Yeah. So John, that's all the questions I got for you tonight. We always just turn the microphone over to our guest. If there's anything else I forgot to ask you, anything you want to get off your chest, any shout outs you want to give, like I said, the microphone is yours and you can go for it. No, I just appreciate you doing this, man. It's good to reminisce. And like we talked about before we got on, it, it's a congrats to you, man, and bringing the state championship back home to Hastings. And you know, I was pumped. To, I think I was in Dallas at an airport when I read it. And I was yeah. like, no freaking way. And I text McClay right away. I'm like, dude, what the? This is awesome. He's like, we have a slap. It's freaking awesome. So kudos to you, man. And guys like you. And the Hastings is what we need. And just because, you know, I live in Des Moines doesn't mean we're you're not we're not cheered for Hastings from above. Yeah, so keep doing that and keep doing what you're doing, man. And this podcast helps awesome with great reminiscing. And I can't believe it. it goes by so fast, right? I feel like some of these memories are like feel like yesterday, but they also feel so distant. It's like almost just crazy. But I really thank you, man, for chatting that. This has been a fun experience. No worries. Thanks, John. Thanks, Joe. So.